The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. See you. If it's your first Sunday, it's great to have you here. And um, so I'm going to be talking for about 15 minutes, carrying on from a talk I did about a month ago. Rich is going to come up and he's going to do the second part. So we're going to do about 15 minutes each. And uh, we've been doing a series all about nutrients, um, which is the stuff that makes us healthy in the ground of who we are as Christians and as a church. And um, what I'm going to be focusing on this morning is continuing the whole theme of faith and courage. If you can hear a whistle every now and again, okay, my wife's kind of like going like this, but I do feel the need to drop this in. I had a massive tooth out yesterday. And seriously, as I'm talking, I can hear a new whistle. Go on. You know when you have a tooth out and you can hear it go, like that. That is my current experience. So if I stop and wonder what's going on a minute, it's all you. It's not the PA. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, welcome to church. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Okay, I'm doing 15 minutes. Rich is doing 15 minutes. And um, what we're going to look at is faith and courage. And about a month ago, I opened up the whole idea of um, when Peter and Jesus walked to more. I put, put your hand up if you remember that, if you hear that. And um, I gave out, a whole, oh, not many, and um, I gave out a whole load of um, bits of sandpaper talking about how faith and courage give us a gritty edge. And it's the local church in the town that we live in. Jesus asked us, actually, and equips us, and empowers us, and teaches us to go and have a gritty, gritty kind of edge that makes a difference to the people around us, to our family, to our neighbours, to our mates, to the people that we work with. You don't have to go all the way over to another country to engage in what Jesus calls us to do. It's here, and it's now. And so it takes gritty edge. It takes courage, and it takes faith. So... Um, what I did, I talked from Matthew 14, where Jesus and Peter walk on the water, and we drew out that courage goes hand in hand with faith. Courage goes hand in hand with faith. Jesus shows and teaches his disciples at this point, okay, when he's, the whole kind of idea of walking on water. One of the points we drew out is Jesus shows and teaches his disciples that they can do the things that he did. The whole idea, Jesus was walking on the water and he shouts to Peter and he says, come on, Peter, get out of the boat. You can do this. You can do this. You can do what I am doing because I have given you the authority to do it. That was the whole idea. All of Jesus' disciples were in a boat, in a storm, and Jesus invited Peter to do what he was doing and walk on the water, which Peter actually did. We often forget, actually, he walked on water. He's famous for sinking. But don't underestimate the fact that this guy got out of the boat and was able to walk on water. I can hear a whole load of whistling. <laughs> it's an incredible thing. But then as time goes on, Peter began to sink and Jesus' response, is, Jesus's response to Peter was, you have little faith, why do you doubt? A question that was never posed to shame Peter. It was never posed to shame him. It was always about, come on, Peter. Where, why do you think you doubted? Let's talk about this. Because Jesus was always in the business of developing the faith of his followers as a teacher and a rabbi. It was never to shame. It was never to put down. It was always to lift up and say, you can do what I am doing. Come on. You can do this. Come on. 
Peter's doubts were around him. We looked at this. Peter's doubts were around him. Actually believing that he could do what Jesus was doing. Can I do this? And that's kind of where we left off a bit. And so this morning, I'm going to kick off with looking at doubt and faith in hopefully a really practical way. Okay? Hopefully a really, really practical way. From this context of the account of, uh, of Jesus and, and Peter, and then Richard's going to come up and he's going to fast forward a few, I don't know, however long, and uh, go from the book of Acts. So if there's one thing I'd like us to remember over the next 10 minutes is this. Doubt is movable. Doubt is 100% movable and does not need to be there. It doesn't need to be there. All right? So please try and keep hold of the fact that all our doubts are around, can I do what Jesus did? In terms of engaging with the mission that he calls us to go and do, therefore go and make disciples. Doubt doesn't need to sit there and stay there. It is a movable thing. So we're going to take a minute to look practically at doubt and its opposite, which is faith or trust. The Latin root, here we go. I now wear glasses, which makes me intelligent. The Latin root of the word doubt is to hesitate or to waver. Okay, it's when you go from, yes, I believe, to, I think I believe you. Or, maybe I do. Yeah, maybe I don't. That whole idea of wavering, James 1.6, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, tossed around to and fro. That's what doubt looks like, okay? And I've been there and I still am there. If faith was over this side and doubt was over this side, okay, I think the majority of us would love to live just here. And perhaps sometimes we want to show that we live here. But the truth of the matter is, for me, it looks like this. Depending on what situation I'm in, depending on where I am, I know that I can be here and I want to be here, but doubt creeps in. That's my testimony anyway. I want to be there. I know I have every right and position to be there, but this does come up. Okay? John 20 I love this story, similar in Luke 24. It tells us the story of Thomas, another one who's famous for something that he didn't do more than what he did. Thomas, who doubted Jesus was alive after his crucifixion, okay? He wouldn't believe that Jesus was alive until he saw him with his own eyes, until he touched Jesus, until Jesus was physically present in front of him. That was the point when he was going to believe. Funny enough, Jesus turns up, goes straight up to Thomas, I love this, goes up to Thomas and says, Thomas, touch my hands, feel my sight. It's true, Thomas. It's true, Thomas. Thomas, what did Jesus say? Let me find my notes. Jesus said this, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Stop your doubting, Thomas, and believe. Thomas's doubt was replaced with faith, and the substance of faith was truth. Truth. Simple as that, huh? Truth was the substance of the faith that took Thomas from doubt to 
I see it. I get it. Peter in the boat steps out of the water, walks on the water. He had no doubts in his mind that he could do what Jesus was doing. Only until we noticed how big the waves were and perhaps a bit of rational thinking came in that he started to question what was going on. And the doubts came in and he began to sink. The substance of Peter's doubt was, can I do this? Look what's going on. Where am I? Jesus wants to deal with doubt. He dealt with it with Thomas. Come and touch me, Thomas. See the truth. He was trying to draw out of Peter faith. Doubt came in. A bit later on, Jesus goes up to Peter and says, you have little faith, Peter. Why did you doubt? Jesus wants to deal with doubt by imparting faith. And faith consists of truth. Are you following? Anyone else hear as many whistles as, you, as I can at this moment? It's a funny old sensation, believe me. Okay, can you show stick something up on the screen? I'm going to do something for a couple of minutes. This is the coaching me coming out. And I love this. Ever heard the phrase, making a molehill, mountain out of a molehill? That's what doubt looks like, okay? Peter in the boat. Peter's the glasses, the mountain's Jesus. He clearly saw Jesus was walking on the water. He clearly heard Jesus saying, come on, Peter. Yes, you can. I have authority. I'm giving you authority. Come and walk on the water. You can do the kind of thing I am doing. That's what it looked like when Peter got out of the boat. Can you, can you shift the next one up? That's what doubt does. Can you see the different colours in that mountain? I don't know about you, but faith builds. But sometimes for me, doubt kind of layers. It's one thing after the other, after the other. Here's the stuff that makes us doubt. I wonder if this is the stuff that made Peter doubt. He's out on the water. He's walking around. All of a sudden, he starts overthinking. Anyone else overthink? My overthinking with regards to, with regards to this kind of stuff is, can I do this? Really? Peter walking on the water, sees all the waves. Can I really do this? What's going on? It begins to overthink what's actually happening. Perhaps for Peter, he was thinking about his past experiences of walking on the water. Nothing. <laughs> what past experience did he have? His past experience was probably going for a paddle and he's not walking on the water. His past experience is sinking and pretty quickly. Perhaps past experience brought doubt. Perhaps his overthinking at that point brought doubt. Perhaps his worry about getting something wrong brought out, oh, I know Jesus was doing it. I'm going to try and do it. Or what if I'm doing something wrong and it's all going to go pear shapes? What if I'm not fully doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Perhaps a bit of fear about worry about getting it wrong brought some doubt. Perhaps worry about what other people thought of what Peter was doing. There was a boat full of people and they were all looking out. Peter walking on the water, perhaps he's thinking, if this goes wrong, I'm going to look like an absolute idiot in front of this lot in the boat. Imagine what they're going to say about me if, this, if I get it wrong. 
genuine thing that brings fear and doubt in. I've been like that, sharing the gospel with people. I begin to open my mouth and all of a sudden in my mind, what if I get this wrong? What if I say something wrong? What if the message goes a bit, I don't know, what if it doesn't land right? What if it's not culturally relevant enough? All these different things that you kind of go through in my mind. And actually, like, leave me a bit doubtful. What's, what is, you know, is this going to work? Is anything going to go wrong? Worry about what other people think. And I wonder if what Peter believed about himself brought any of this into play as well. What did Peter believe about himself doing these kinds of things that Peter, um, that Jesus was calling him to do? All these things which build up are objects of doubt and can actually stop. Can you show that last picture again? Sorry, Jan. They get in the way of seeing Jesus. They get in the way. Jesus hasn't gone anywhere, by the way. He's still there. Nothing's changed. But doubt in our mind comes up. Okay? I want us to know that that doubt mountain is movable. 100% movable. That as the church, we can engage in the mission of Jesus, which is part of come follow me. And we can have faith to do so. We can have faith to do so. One quick thing about doubt that I'd like to mention, when it's left alone, it can become very powerful. When doubt's left alone, it can become very, very powerful. It can silence you. It can immobilise you. It can stop you from telling someone about Jesus. It can stop you from praying for someone, even when you know God can come and intervene in someone's life. Doubt can immobilise us. It can hold us in our place if it's not dealt with. That's why Jesus dealt with doubt so quickly in the life of Peter and in the life of Thomas. And it's the same for us today. Jesus wants to deal with our inner doubts because what they do what they do is sabotage us from believing that we can do the kind of things Jesus did. We can do the kind of things Jesus calls us to. That's what doubt does. And I firmly believe Jesus wants to come and he wants to say, let's get rid of that. Come on, let's get rid of the doubt. It's very possible. And here's why. I honestly believe, okay, Jesus believes that when his people grab hold of faith and courage, that they become incredibly effective for the gospel in the town where they live. When we get hold of it, we're incredibly effective because he has given us all we need to get the job done. It's not based on us. It's based on everything he has done he calls us to engage in that, in his authority. And when we get hold of that, and when we stir up with faith and courage, the local church become incredibly, incredibly powerful in the town that they live in. And this is where faith and courage and grit come in. It's gritty. It's gritty. 
it's more than what we do here on a Sunday, and it's a lot grittier out there, but it includes what we do on a Sunday. How long have I got, Rich? I'm lining you up, mate. How do we reduce that doubt mountain? Okay, couple of ideas. How do you reduce that doubt mountain? First thing, hear the voice of Jesus again. Okay, hear the voice of Jesus again. If we like, have some doubt, oh, I can't go and preach the gospel. It's all right for John. We've got John. It's okay. We'll leave it to him. No, no, no. We're all called to preach the gospel. Every single one of us. But I'm not wired that way. Or I'm too shy. Or I've tried before and it didn't work. Or I'm just not. These are the kind of things that can create doubt. They're the kind of things that can build up and make us believe something about ourselves that's probably not even true. I'm too, I'm not good enough to go and share the gospel. No, you are. Everything's been done enough for us to go with this message. Hear the voice of Jesus again. He wants to build on the faith that you have and not shame you for the lack of it. He's for you. He's cheering you on to become like him in person and mission and action. He's calling us, come on, you can do this. You can engage in this mission because I've given everything you need. Got three questions to quickly ask. Has Jesus called you to follow him, to be like him, engage with and do the things he did? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Has Jesus given you his authority to do these things? His authority. Yeah? Okay. Is he at work in your life, teaching you, changing you, guiding you, leading you? Okay. These are questions I've been asking myself, by the way. Number four, does Jesus believe that all he has given you and all he is doing in you is strong enough for you to go and do the kind of things that he did? Do I need to say that again? No, 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 I don't mean that rudely. This is something that's dawning, I feel like a bit of a, like for me. Does Jesus believe that all he he has given you and all he is doing in you is strong enough for you to do what he did. Yes, Jesus knows he's given us all we need to do what he did. And that's why he called Peter to get out of the boat. Peter had to engage faith and courage and a gritty edge to do it. Jesus has given us all we need to follow him. If we want to reduce that, faith, that doubt mountain, hear his voice again. Recognise what it means again. Come on, you can do it. I've given you all you need. You don't have to pray for anything else. Therefore, go. Go. Keep praying. I'm not saying don't pray, but go. Number two. Sorry, I'm not going to give you any time. Number two, last bit. How do we reduce that mountain? Action. I'm sorry to say it. I'm sorry to say it, but it takes action. There's a theologian by the name of Vincent van Gogh. He's not a theologian. Here's what Vincent van Gogh said. If you hear a voice within you saying you cannot paint, then by all means paint, and that will silence that voice. Let me change that quote. 
if you hear the voice within you say you cannot truly follow Jesus and do the kind of things he did, then by all means go and follow Jesus and do the kind of things that he did and that voice will be silenced. That mountain will go down. It's action and it's hearing the voice. Action, hearing the voice. James, faith without, faith without deeds is dead. It's action, it's engagement with the call of Jesus to come on, follow me, you can, you can. It's courage and grit which will bring that mountain back down in size. It's action which brings new patterns of belief about ourselves and who we are because of the shout of him saying, come on, yes, you can. Come on, yes, you can. Don't give up after a couple of attempts at praying for someone of preaching the gospel, Peter sank. But I'd encourage you to read the rest of the gospels, to read the rest of the New Testament and see what he went on to do. He was by no means perfect. Jesus isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for people who will follow him. He's not looking for your perfection. He's looking for people to take faith and courage and say, yeah, I will. Rich, I'm going as fast as I can. What have I been trying to say? Leading in for Rich, who's coming up. Like Peter, Jesus calls us to follow him and has given us all we need to do it. Okay? He knows we're not perfect. He knows we're still learning. But even so, he wants us to step out in faith and encourage anyway. Anyway. The disciples were on a journey of faith. They were not over here all the time. And for me, I love the fact that I can see that Jesus' disciples were not in faith all the time, that they were a bit like this. But what Jesus was saying is, listen to me, come this way a bit more, a bit more and a bit more. When doubt comes along to try and sabotage you for being like Jesus, don't let it settle. Don't let doubt settle. Invite Jesus in to deal with it, okay? Overcome it by hearing the voice of Jesus again, saying, you can come and follow me because I've given you all you need to do it. And let this truth fuel your faith to overcome the doubts with truth. It's the truth that builds our faith that overcomes the doubt mountain. And so from there, I'm going to hand over to Rich. Sorry, mate. I'm going to hand over to Rich. He's going to take us into Acts. Let's give Rich a round of applause. And he's going to deal with what it looks like in the early church. Wow. Um, I, I don't need to do this bit because he's done it all, really. <laughs> I, I think the hope, the hope is when you're, you're sharing a, a preach like this that we're both on the same page. Um, and also that we don't... I don't repeat too much, although we have spoken about what we were going to do. So um, I had this picture um, of a, a dovetail joint uh, with the two sections, something like this. This is one from my uh, lounge. Um, so the two parts of the preach are, are going to fit together perfectly. <laughs> Keep praying. <clears throat> yeah. But I did think there's, there's also something else relevant about a picture like this and the joint. Because what Paul and I are sharing are two parts 
of the Bible uh, narrative, which join as one whole. And because uh, we're moving really from the first part, the, the lessons that were gained from the boat about Peter walking on the water and stepping out in faith, and the revelation that the disciples got, if you remember the story, when they came back to the boat, they realised uh, who Jesus was. And then, and then this whole question of, of doubt and uh, where our focus should be that Paul has brought this morning. We're moving from that to the second part, and that is the faith story of the early church, which we read about uh, a lot in the Acts of the Apostles. And there's a continuity in the story because the people that we see in the Gospels and then in the Acts are the same. But there's also a point where the story changes. And the corner point, if you like, referring to the picture, don't put too much weight on this picture. I just wanted to show it. Um, but the corner point, the change point, is what comes after the boat story at the time of Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, and then the time at Pentecost when the disciples, those same people, received the Holy Spirit. You know, they'd received already the Great Commission to go into the whole world, make disciples, um, baptising, teaching everyone to obey what Jesus had said. They'd received the commission, but then they get the authority, they get the power at Pentecost to go on that mission to be witnesses, make disciples and plant churches. You know, everything changed at that point. Jesus had left in person, but the Spirit had come. You know, I wonder if it's possible to get tired of reading the Acts of the Apostles. I never tire of reading it. You know, go through the Acts of the Apostles. You know, we, we haven't got, I've got a few texts today but go home and read again the stories through the Acts of the Apostles about the disciples stepping out in, with courage and with power, knowing they had authority and that they'd experienced God's power. Look at the, uh, if you can put down the next slide up, just re remember the, the first ac accounts we get, the first preach on the streets, the first healing of the lame man, the first uh, recorded um, what we got else? What else we got there? First time the disciples were arrested, and because they had courage, and uh, the first time they gathered in that first prayer meeting after Pentecost, what did they pray for? They prayed for boldness. Many of us are familiar with these stories. We've had them for years, many people, but it's sometimes easy then to d disconnect ourselves from these records. You know, this is what Paul's been already saying. You know, this is us. You know, this, this is us. This is not about some earlier uh, dispensation of the church and it's all different now. This is not about some, you know, different phase that there was. You know, they, 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 when they had different power, they had different authority, they had different faith. No, it's not like that. This should represent us here and now. And it does to an extent, but it needs to represent us more. You know, we can step into those same experiences. Just reflect, just for a, a, a moment. You know, we are now the ones with the same power and authority that's been given to us. 
we're the ones with the same power and authority. This is what Paul's bringing to us. You know, we shouldn't think that the words faith and courage had different meanings in old, new, old and New Testament times. You know, the meaning of the words hasn't changed now. Faith is faith. Courage is courage. See what Luke writes of Peter and John as well. We've got the next slide, Jan. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The ESV Bible puts it like this. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. They were bold and they perceived they, they were uneducated, common men. Let's be careful also that we don't see the body of the church moving separately from the individuals. You know, the church moves as Christians step out, as we step out. We might talk in very general terms about the church having the authority of Jesus or the church having the power of Jesus. But that's only a half-truth at best because Jesus responded to individuals like Peter getting out of the boat. You remember that time at, uh, at Pentecost, Acts 2. Um, Jan, next slide. Um, you know, they're all together. You, you can read it there. For the sake of time, I won't read it, read it all. But the main points was they were all together, but the Holy Spirit came on each one of them. Not a few of them. They were all together like we're all together, but the Holy Spirit came and rested in those tongues of fire on each one of them, each of, each of us. God calls individuals and he gives his Holy Spirit to individual people. You know, the, I love the Acts of the Apostles because it names so many people doing these things. It doesn't, it's not vague. It's, you know, Peter's doing this and John's doing that and, you know, Dorcas is doing that and, and, and Paul's doing that and, you know, Stephen gets martyred. All these situations, but they're individual people who are named. And if you follow Jesus, however ordinary you feel, however uneducated you are or feel, he gives you that same power and authority. That's what we're saying. And he does it because each of us has got a job to do, to be on mission, to make disciples, to build church. And if you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, even after John has given us the gospel message, God loves you, Jesus died for you, and he's, but if you, if you don't know the message, respond to it. If you haven't heard it, come and see John again afterwards. He'll explain it to you. But what happens when you, when you meet Jesus and you get a new life? You get invited into a family with a mission, a kingdom mission to share the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. So if you... If you need, again, if you need to re respond, come up and see John afterwards. <laughs> Sorry, John, putting it on you. <laughs> we wanted to ground what we've been saying this morning in, in our nutrient series, um, you know, reflecting that faith is also related to grace and thanksgiving 
and forgiveness that we've been thinking about. We need a reminder of our foundations to feed our personal walk with Jesus. We, also, we always need to keep digging deeper to follow Jesus. And I hope that where we've been focusing over the last couple of months, really, is it now? We've been doing these nutrients. It's encouraged us to increase our personal devotion to Jesus, to increase our real affection for him. You know, a greater understanding of his grace will lead us to want to seek his presence more. A greater, um, when we're more thankful, it will lead us to appreciate more of his glory and grace and his goodness to us every day. And as we understand the depths of how much we've been forgiven, which we've also been talking about, it will learn, we will learn to forgive others and live in freedom. So, but the way we've uh, addressed this faith nutrient is a bit more uh, about applying what comes out of our increasing love for Jesus. You may, uh, yeah, may, maybe today we need to reflect that being born again, having new life in Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, is a bit more radical than we've really appreciated before. You may feel ordinary, but are you believing that you're now living in a supernatural environment, not just a natural environment? That's our new nature. After Pentecost, that his first disciples were not just living as before, we can see from the pages of Scripture that they were living in the supernatural. When they walked with Jesus, they'd experienced something of the kingdom, but after Pentecost, it was a whole new ball game, A whole new experience of faith and courage. You know, during the COVID pandemic, many people believed that God was going to do a new thing. You know, God never stopped working when we had a lockdown. That wasn't, that wasn't going to stop God didn't stop us but many Christians were sensing that we wouldn't go back the same and shouldn't go back to the same ways as before and we can use this nutrient series to reassess things in our lives this is a time to dig deeper into Jesus the closer we are to Jesus the more we can draw on his power Let's keep upsizing Jesus. Let's keep increasing our view of him and what he wants to do. And as we, as we finish, sorry we're going on a bit, but I want to bring us back to a few of the challenges that Dave Holden brought us to our new grand family a couple of weeks ago. It links or dovetails, I think, with this message today. Dave reminded us too that we're ordinary people. Keep remembering that, Peter, normal, ordinary, sometimes failing, impetuous, but the same Peter who walked on water and then preached on the streets after Pentecost. Dave challenged us also what this would look like for us personally. New steps of faith. Do you need to be discipled more than you are already? Do you need to be discipling other people, getting alongside them? 
Do you need to serve somewhere? Because you've actually got the gift that the church needs. Dave said one, of the, one reason the church in the West is not growing as it should is because we've lost this sense of moving out of our comfort zone. We've become too insular and settled. And I love this phrase, I don't know if you remember it, we've contained what God wants to give away. We've stayed within these four walls, perhaps, when God is not confined to buildings. Are we waiting too much for people just to come to us when the kingdom of God is calling us to go where people are? And Dave said, you know, the miracles in Acts happened on the streets. You know, we do pray that God will bless this facility here. It's amazing. And, and there are people who don't know Jesus who come through this building every day. Even last Monday, I was at Food Bank and I uh, had a lovely opportunity to share with an outreach worker there who was so open just to know about Jesus, just appreciating what the church was doing. It was, it was great. There was an openness there. Well, but we mustn't limit ourselves to these four walls. You know, it doesn't take much faith to come here on a Sunday. Doesn't take much courage. I know it does for some people. Courage to walk in the building. But this is not the faith that God wants or limited to that. You know, I think it's worth saying then that when we think about faith, the early Christians didn't have special faith. They just had faith. Maybe we need a challenge this morning on the going. Go and make disciples. Where can we step out afresh? Who's already there for you? Just make it more specific. Where can you let your personal love of Jesus, your gratitude and the wonder of his grace in your life, where can you let those things flow out to other people so they understand this Jesus? Maybe join a new club. Maybe mix with friends in the pub or a coffee shop. Maybe just do the things you love, sports and hobbies, but intentionally take Jesus there in those places. And just talk to people more, even if you're an introvert like I am. Don't laugh, I am. <laughs> Aren't I, dear? Yeah. <laughs> but I've made, I make an effort to talk more to people. We need to be more visible in our communities. I am finishing. I'm sometimes, wearing, I'm sometimes wary of using paraphrased versions of the Bible too much. There's one that shouldn't be used. Some people know this, but I do love the words about Jesus at John 1.14 in the message version. It says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. Have you still got your bit of uh, glass paper from the other week? The grittiness? Keep being gritty. Don't underestimate the change that God's already brought in your life. Don't underestimate God's ability to change you. And don't underestimate his real presence with you. Jan, can we put up that slide of uh, Acts 4.13 again? 
ordinary men, and there will be women around with Jesus as well, but this situation was ordinary men. And they took note of these ordinary men because they'd been with Jesus. Ordinary people who've been with Jesus, just like us. We don't know exactly who else was in the boat on that day that Peter walked on water. But what we do know is after Pentecost, no one stayed in the boat. 